It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We hope you are staying well and safe and are glad you're with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. Uh, glad we can be together again. Um, reflect also what you said. Hope everybody is uh, safe and well, and um, we're getting through all of this. We are. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Uh, autonomous shuttle vehicles from BEEP are being used to transport medical supplies and COVID-19 tests at the Mayo Clinic in Florida. This is in conjunction with the Jacksonville Transportation Authority and NAVIA. And we're fortunate to have with us the CEO of BEEP, Joe Moy. Thanks for joining in this morning, Joe. Uh, Fred, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Joe, it's real great having you. Uh, thank you for joining in. Uh, we know that you're busily um, trying to help out down there, and uh, thank you for taking a few minutes with us here today. And he's in his more vehicle. than my more than my pleasure. <laughs> well, you're down in Florida, Joe. Tell us a little bit more about the Beep background, first of all. Yeah, so Beep as a business, we're an autonomous mobility as a service provider based in Orlando, and in short, what we do is provide uh, transportation for those first mile, last mile use cases, uh, leveraging multi-passenger autonomous uh, electric vehicles, um, serving public and private communities um, in Florida and elsewhere. So very, very exciting time for the business. Well, describe for us what's going on now with the medical supplies and COVID-19 tests. Yeah, so we um, have been partnering with the JTA for some time now in a, in a test environment to prove out some of the capabilities of these autonomous vehicles as, a relate of some, as it relates to some use cases that they're exploring uh, for downtown Jacksonville. And in the course of that work, we were introduced to Mayo Clinic uh, recently, and uh, some of the things that they were trying to tackle on their campus in support of obviously the COVID-19 work. And, and specifically, um, they've got uh, drive up test areas where patients can drive onto the campus into a very specific area, into a tent without getting out of their car, be tested for COVID-19. And the use case was how could we move those samples safely and securely from that testing area over to the clinic where they're processed. So. Uh, we, uh, we got together as a team in about a week's time, we're able to launch our vehicles um, instead of transporting uh, you know, passengers at this point, we're transporting um, these tests. And so it was an opportunity to repurpose the technology and support uh, Mayo Clinic and obviously the great work that's being done out there to, to help advance, uh, you know, getting this COVID-19 situation behind us. So. Um, Pretty exciting. We've been in, uh, in uh, I guess, uh, motion now for two full weeks, and uh, it's working extremely well. Well, congratulations on doing that, and um, and thank you for doing that. Uh, but I think it, what it also shows is the ability to basically uh, both be resilient and pivot in terms of uh, what you do with this mobility. Uh, maybe uh, you know, for a while you're moving people, another while you're doing what you're doing. So, in a sense, uh, this is a this is a great uh, test of the technology. 
Yeah, I really think so. And, uh, you know, I have to say, as you're well aware, these technologies are are regulated by the government for uh, for these test cases. And, uh, and you know, the, the public and private sector have kind of come together in a real quick period of time to loosen some of the restrictions and do what was right in proving out this use case. And, and in this case, freeing up healthcare workers to focus on, you know, much more important work than transportation these uh, these tests and specimens. So it was uh, really exciting to see the public-private partnership that played out among the Jacksonville Transportation Authority, obviously our company, the Mayo Clinic, and uh, even the U.S. Department of Transportation. Joe, there are safety drivers on board these vehicles? There are not. Um, we not. typically operate uh, we typically operate currently in all of our passenger use cases with uh, safety attendants on board. That is part of, you know, the model and, and the restriction today. Uh, although they operate, you know, in a significant level of autonomy, about 95%, we do have those attendants on board until the technology matures a little further. But we were able to deploy these vehicles uh, given the way we set up the pathway it's about a half a mile between the testing area and the clinic. Uh, we deployed these in complete autonomous mode. So there is, is no attendant on board. It is just the, uh, the tests and the supplies. It, it's very important that that be emphasized, that, that in fact, that this is the way that these are operating. In a sense, you know, we have, a, we have a little bit farther to go to be able to do those kinds of things without an attendant when we're moving people. Uh, but when we're moving things uh, and in the appropriate place, uh, here they are, they're available. And, and this, is, this is really uh, the opportunity to, to show both the flexibility uh, and uh, the effectiveness and, of course, also having to do with maybe the, uh, the affordability of doing all of this stuff. Uh, uh, people can be, have plenty of other things to do in this situation. They don't need to be doing uh, the drive between these two places. So uh, this really needs to be emphasized and uh, that's one of the reasons we're happy to have you here with us uh, here this morning. Yeah, we're, we're glad to tell the story. Real, real proud of the entire team that, that tackled this. And, you know, as you might imagine, our passenger services right now are paused uh, given the COVID-19 situation we're all facing. And so it was a great kind of rallying cry to get the team's together across JTA and ourselves and Mayo Clinic to be able to put this, uh, this deployment in place. And as I said, we uh, literally got a call on a Saturday night, uh, about nine o'clock, uh, introducing this opportunity. And on Monday morning, uh, we were already mobilizing the team. And in less than a week, we're, we're launched uh, and delivering our first set of samples. So uh, you, you folks know a lot about these technologies and what it takes in these geofenced deployments. It's usually about a month to six weeks to deploy one of these vehicles properly, and we were able to do it in a week's time, which I think is a, is a testament to every, everybody coming together and, and really focusing on the importance of getting this done. 
Yes, again, congratulations on that because that's, again, really showing the opportunity with this technology. Uh, again, it's flexibility to be able to go out there and, and do the next thing. And and also, I think it provides all, all of us, you and so on, an opportunity to continue to improve it um, uh, so that we get to a point where we can move people the same way. Uh, you know, that is a much, Absolutely. it's a much bigger challenge, but my goodness, here it is. Uh, a lot of us, uh, not only is the Mayo Clinic uh, need to have some deliveries made, maybe we all need to have some deliveries made. And, and certainly uh, to do that uh, uh, more affordably and more efficiently and, and so on uh, with the, this technology is um, is a real opportunity. So as I like to say, uh, some su people have suggested that for autonomy, this is the worst of times. Uh, I like to think it may be the best of times. It, it really shows the opportunity uh, that this technology has, and um, and I think you're uh, you're demonstrating that. Joe, let me ask yeah, you. I think it, it may it may or may not be applicable, or, or or something that you're even responsible for. But we've talked about before, as uh, as uh, driverless technology can be used in situations like this. What do you do about disinfecting or, or making a vehicle safe after it's been used in this kind of situation? Yeah, and so in the case of our passenger transports, you know, as COVID-19 was, was really starting to surface and we were not quite in that lockdown mode, uh, you know, we armed all of our attendants with, uh, with disinfectant wipes and solution and uh, the uh, you know the sanitary gel and things of that nature, which were offered to passengers and the vehicles. In our case, they're ten-person, you know, seated vehicles, so it's not a large vehicle, and we were able to wipe those down literally, you know, after every shift. And so we did the things to kind of kind of stay um, stay sterile, if you would, when we were transporting passengers. And we do a similar thing here, although these tests are secured. Um, you know, in a in a basically a cooler type device when they're transported, at the end of the day, we, we go through a similar act of just wiping them down properly and preparing them for the next day in the spirit of trying to, to keep everything disinfected. And do you have some thoughts about uh, as, as we move forward and uh, hopefully we don't run into these kinds of situations uh, again or, or, or often, but the concerns that people are going to have about ride sharing going forward after after this kind of situation and how you're going to deal with it uh, in terms of keeping the vehicle safe yeah it's a fair question i don't think any of us quite know uh, how things are going to bounce back in any sector i mean we're highly confident given the nature of the work that we do in these public and private communities and and frankly the adoption that we've had in people trying to find a, a form of transportation, you know, as an alternative to their personal vehicles and staying at home, to, or I should say, leaving their cars at home to go out to dinner and other, you know, accessing other services across these communities. Um, you know, my sense is people, as always in this country, are very resilient. And I think they're going to, you know, get right back up on the horse, so to say. And, uh, you know, we're excited to be in the position we are of, having a number of new deployments that are targeted to launch later this summer. Uh, you know, and it's our belief that uh, although we're going to obviously be living in a different world and probably taking measures to ensure things are 
are cleaner and more sanitized, which is, is a good practice anyways, uh, my sense is that, you know, this technology is not going away. You know that, and I know that. But, uh, you know, human behavior is an interesting thing, but I'm, I'm one that believes, uh, you know, not only this, this business, but also, you know, other businesses across our company, country are going to come back strong. Yeah, plus, uh, Fred, you know, there's an enormous demand of people that don't have access to cars, that uh, have had this, this uh, demand for this kind of mobility um, even before this crisis. Uh, they still need, need help. They still need to, uh, some things with respect to improving the air quality of life, uh, being able to get to uh, the blue-collar jobs and so on, that, uh, that the um, uh, public transportation systems just haven't haven't been able to provide up to now and so uh, those opportunities still exist and uh, and uh, as, as we get out of this uh, um, it'll still be the best of of, of, of times <laughs> sure it's a really really great point Joe you mentioned uh, some some new things that you have coming along hopefully uh, <laughs> later this year during the summer tell us about it yeah, well, so we've been uh, awarded a couple of new contracts down in the central Florida area. We launched it uh, at our, our Cornerstone customer in Lake Nona, Florida, which is a large development down there where they've got just a 18 square miles of, of business, residential, medical center, sports centers, and we're kind of creating the mobility network to, to attach all those all those services and make them accessible to visitors and businesses and residents. And we're, we're launching uh, several similar programs um, over in uh, the, uh, the Tampa area and the Pinellas County area. Uh, later this summer, we've uh, recently launched a project in Peoria, Arizona, similar kind of downtown deployment for that first mile, last mile project and several other private developers that are using you know, these autonomous mobility services as a means of differentiating uh, their development and their community and providing providing access to services without the need for personal transportation. So very similar models and uh, I think real exciting use cases for how we, we prove out this technology. And, and, you know, now having done it in full autonomous mode and all the learnings that we've had over the last year, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one that thinks we're going to, in these slower speed use cases, be able to really push the envelope in a very safe fashion to get uh, more of these vehicles in autonomous mode. I, sh I should point out when I first heard of your um, success in Peoria, I said to myself, um, you know, Peoria is, has classically been used as the example of, of uh, the typical community in America. But this was Peoria, Arizona, not Peoria, Illinois. <laughs> but anyway, uh, close enough um, uh, and so on. So, uh, so that one, uh, I think uh, also I'd like to point out, we, we Probably love to invite you up here uh, to um, to Central Jersey. Um, I've been working closely with the Mayor of Trenton and the City Council and so on uh, to create a welcoming environment here. 
uh, to provide um, uh, mobility uh, in the city of, of Trenton. Uh, and there the focus is really people that don't have access to cars. It's not the sort of the, uh, the focus of, hey, uh, you know, I've got a car and I'm going to leave it at home. It's my goodness, I've got to get someplace and, um, and I don't have a car. <laughs> And and so uh, looking at that and and to me that's uh, that's another real rich opportunity to go out and and, and try some of these things. Were uh, there the delivery of the uh, improvement and the quality of life to those individuals is is, is life changing uh, because they they can now maybe have access to jobs that that can help feed their families and so on. And it's basically and fundamental uh, services such as healthcare and 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 that that they really don't have. Uh, so um, in a sense, um, as we get everybody, we're trying to create a situation here in which, in which uh, there's a welcoming environment that, the, that the, everybody here wants this to come in and, and, and wants to work uh, with the private sector uh, to make it happen. You pointed out the importance of, of uh, cooperation between the, the public and the private instead of a competitive sort of thing or whatever. This is, this is absolutely necessary so that it is um, safe, uh, safe not only in terms of vehicles not colliding, but, but where people get on and off or safe, play, welcoming places where people want to use the service where they're, 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 there's not anxiety associated with it that in fact it can really contribute to the improvement of their quality of life so you know at, at some point we're going to reach out to you when when we're ready uh, but but we want to be ready here uh, so that you don't have to waste your time getting us ready no I would welcome that opportunity and I think just to echo your comments we're fortunate in um, a couple of the communities we serve there's a retirement home in one of those areas where you know transportation is not readily available and providing those residents access to some of the services where they don't have an alternative means of transportation and you know connecting uh, uh, residents and, and visitors that are into the the VA clinic down there in Orlando that we serve as well so you're exactly right. It's not just about, you know, providing an alternative means of transportation. In some ways, it's providing the only means of transportation. The, pri the primary you... means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and uh, along those lines, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really important to, to look at that, that community and, and how to, to get that community involved. And guess what? You don't need high speed. Okay. You know, Maybe you need 35 miles an hour, and maybe you know Nitsa and Washington will say, "Hey, my goodness, you know, we have seated passengers here. We figured out how to restrain them. We figured out how to how to how to disinfect the whole darn thing." Uh, but but let us go in there because because in a sense you don't you're not going that far. You're not commuting down I whatever or Florida, you know. Uh, Turnpike, so on and so forth, yeah. and and so it's a it's a perfect uh, uh, opportunity for for what you've been working on for so long. So uh, anyway, uh, we're trying to create the welcoming environment up here to do that. But good. And uh, Jacksonville yeah, yeah. has really been out front uh, in terms of adopting this and acceptance, right? They have uh, the the JTA Jacksonville Transportation Authority has led a a program as an extension of a USDOT build grant that they received a couple of years ago. 
um, to prove out these technologies. They're doing extensive testing um, and working very closely with us, not only in what they're doing in their test environments, but also in data sharing and what we're doing out there in these live use cases. Um, and they've got a major program, the Ultimate uh, Urban Circulator, U2C down there, that uh, I would say is probably you know, one of the leading programs in our country, if not the world, uh, in you know, readying the city for these autonomous platforms. Real, uh, real proud to work with them. Yeah, they, they've been in it for a while, you know, maybe 40 years, right? When then, when did they build their, their, their first people mover down there? So, you yeah, know, Jacksonville, right. Jacksonville has been, been through this and, and so on. So, uh, and it, what it seems like what is coming out of Washington is, is, uh, is uh, maybe a lot of money to go support uh, the, um, the introduction of the services. The key, to me, the key issue is getting started. Going through all the, the 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 challenges, headaches, so on, costs, uh, without revenue, uh, you know, challenges of getting started, and uh, if these things are really uh, what some of us believe they are, then they'll be able to take care of themselves. So it looks like, <clears throat> looks like uh, more Washington money is coming to that. Uh, it looks like some infrastructure money. Uh, one of the things I, I know that we tout about this is that it doesn't need special infrastructure, uh, so therefore it's it's even more attractive, but it does need some infrastructure, the infrastructure where That's people cool. are pick, getting, being picked up and, and dropped off, sort of what I call the uh, the uh, curbside furniture of all of this, uh, mm -hmm. uh, how to make those places safe and inviting safe and inviting without you know who knows what and 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 so that uh, so that people will want to use the system and interface with it so it's not just riding in the system it's 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 interfacing with the system too so there are opportunities there that that uh, will help um, propel this and i'm sure you'll be going after those um, as they emerge yeah absolutely and uh i think to your point uh, not only is there you know, funding and interest behind this, you know, across the U.S. Department of Transportation. You know, we've also worked very closely with uh, with NHTSA in uh, how these vehicles are regulated. Uh, we're engaged in a data sharing um, consortium with them just to continue to push as much as we learn into the hands of, of those that, that regulate the vehicles so that we can uh, get smarter together and more quickly get these vehicles into real practical use out there, many of the, the examples that you've hit on. Um, so uh, exciting times in front of us. Yes, yeah, certainly compliment you on that one because that's sort of something that I've harped on in the past. Uh, you know, the, the data sharing, especially associated with safety and security is absolutely, absolutely. paramount, you know. And for, for us to individually compete on safety is just silly. Uh, because if if one of us isn't safe, none of us are. I mean, nobody's going to use Absolutely. this stuff. I mean, look at what we had to go through because Uber screwed up, okay, in one time in 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 Arizona. So, uh, you know, the, and and to 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 share especially the safety data and the security data and the cyber security data and those things, uh, so that we all, as you said, get smarter together. Because it will raise everybody, and and there's there's 
such a demand opportunity for all of this. There's plenty out there for everybody. It's not that somebody has to scurry and grab it all. No, you're, you're exactly right. And I, um, I think one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of as it relates to our team is that whole safety first mantra, because we saw exactly what you just described as we launched this, which was, you know, any, any mishap is going to impact us all. And so what can we do to learn and get better every day? And so, you know, we've instituted things in all of our communities that we serve, like first responder training. People don't necessarily think of that coming out of the blocks, but you know, if there is an incident, even if it doesn't involve the vehicle, but the vehicle's caught behind a traffic accident or something like that, you know, or, you know, there's, there's another situation where it needs to maneuver around uh, a certain um, opportunity or obstacle, having the first responders familiar with the technology and not, you know, scratching their head about it when a situation occurs. It's just a continuous education process on safety and and getting, you know, the, the every, not only at the federal level, but at the local level, everybody aligned behind uh, best practices. And it's not only the first responder, uh, responders, it's also the whole, whole police force. If you look at a police force in, in most cities, what do they do? A lot of it has to do with traffic. A lot of it has to do with public safety and uh, really all public safety safety and this is a system as, as we've talked to here it's not this it's not only the safety associated in transporting getting from a to b it's a safety associated with getting in and getting out it's it's the whole environmental say as well as all the whole, whole community that these things go through and so on so everybody has to be on board and and having the the, the police force and 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 uh, not only the 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 emergency first responders but the whole police force on board supportive <laughs> they can bring you down trivially you know i mean Absolutely. you know if, if they're not on if they don't want it you aren't going to be there okay so in a sense uh, to make sure that 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 they're inviting and on board right from the beginning is is extremely important i know everybody realizes this but it's it's so easy to you know uh, forget about it i guess i don't know mm -hmm. No, you, you raise a really important point in the police fire rescue. I put all those in the bucket of the yep, first responders. Yep, yep, yep. And we've got pro we've got programs um, to your point with the, the police force in particular and the local sheriff's offices to make sure that, you know, they're familiar with um, supportive of what we're doing and understand the measures we're putting in place to ensure safety. So really excellent point. And really getting their cooperation to help you do it, because in the end, you need their cooperation. You need their you need their help, uh, you know, and and guess what? They tend to be very interested in helping. Yep, I completely agree. Well, Joe, it really sounds like you're, you're, you're doing things right there. And congratulations on what you're doing in this situation. Significant step forward, uh, fully driverless, the, the transportation that you're providing for these supplies and, and the tests. The website for more info is go-beep.com. Uh, really appreciate your being here, Joe, and look forward to speaking to you again. Gentlemen, a true pleasure. Appreciate the good work you're doing and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Thank you and uh, get to work, huh? <laughs> they you need you. you. They need it. you. They need you, okay? Uh, anyway, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, gentlemen.
We'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. You can get more information at MOTOETF.com. You know, ETFs can be a good way to spread risk while you're investing in a category of stocks. To learn more, take a look at the white paper titled The Smart Transportation Revolution at MOTOETF.com. It's under the Insights and News tab. That's where you'll find the information you need to learn more. Well, the self-driving startup Neuro has gotten permission from the California DMV to begin testing driverless delivery robots on public roads in the state. The authorization is for two light-duty delivery vehicles that will operate in communities in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, this is again some good news here that uh, California is moving along. They've had this um, application opportunity for companies to provide driverless services without attendance. And uh, this is the second one, Waymo being the first one to have uh, the uh, authority to do that. And to do it in communities. Uh, it really extends uh, what we've been talking about in uh, just uh, before this with respect to what's happening uh, down there in Jacksonville. <clears throat> uh, but uh, this is in, in communities. And so uh, this is a next big step uh, for all of this to have these vehicles actually providing uh, valuable uh, contribution to society and, and providing uh, now the movement of, of goods. Uh, you know, we have this issue with respect to um, um, uh, physical distancing with respect to the movement of people. Uh, we're going to have to be able to find a, an elegant way uh, to around that one uh, because ride sharing is so darn important uh, to lead to affordability uh, of these systems. Um, but when it comes to moving uh, goods, uh, packages, uh, then um, uh, we don't have this physical distancing issue. And so uh, this is now a real opportunity. And given that um, we've been told to stay home and um, who knows um, how much uh, we're going to be told to stay home in the future, uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be allowed to go to go to the store. But many people are going to become used to having things, more things delivered to them. Uh, um, Amazon Prime. I mean, is this the best news you've ever heard of? In the, <laughs> my goodness, uh, I don't know. Um, um, here we go. But this is very good news. Right. They are taking a cautious approach with it, too. The vehicles can only go, I think, 25 miles an hour up to 25. And they're only operating in good weather. So they're not taking a lot of chances with this, it seems. Right, of course. And, you know, I thought California only had good weather. Why do they have to, you know, put that restriction? I mean, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And, and they didn't say anything about at night, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming these things can operate at night as long as it's good weather. And, and the, the night thing is, is really important. Right now, the roads aren't being used, so it's no problem. Uh, but if we get back out there ourselves on the roads, then the, the real opportunity for moving goods is between um, under normal times, if we ever, assuming we get back to normal times, is, is between, you know, midnight and 5 a.m. or 1, 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. There's, there's certainly, uh, I don't think, very many children, if any, uh, out there playing ball in the streets. And, um, and the, the streets are there available. 
uh, the only thing uh, maybe you know the the um, uh, refuse collectors and um, and the street cleaners maybe you have to watch out for them but otherwise um, you know this is an enormous opportunity and so uh, yes we get to try it out in good weather and and lighted conditions and get the thing started the 25 mile an hour thing you know really wish they didn't let let that go up to you know maybe 40 or 35 or something like that 25 is certainly plenty the problem is is that is that many of our local streets have 35 mile an hour speed limits or 25 mile an hour speed limits in which uh, uh, too many people think they get, they get a free extra nine uh, and taking you to 34. And so um, these things, uh, these vehicles uh, will have to be thought of as, as natural vehicles um, in our communities, uh, not as lumbering whatevers and so on. Uh, they, they need to be welcomed. Uh, they need to be they need to be respected. Uh, they need to be uh, more than tolerated, but in fact, uh, treated as if they're they're actually um, uh, uh, real uh, en enhancements to everybody's quality of life, and therefore welcomed. And to make them welcomed, uh, uh, they 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 can't be dif too different, and they can't be restraining others. And so, um, yes, it's nice to do it at 25 and find uh, places to just do it at 25, but it seems that we have established our communities uh, uh, to, to, do, uh, to go a little bit faster than that. Not that we shouldn't all fall back to 25. 25 is fine. I mean, you know, how far are you going? You're not going that far. This is not, you know, to go out there and use uh, the 405 or the uh, or 101 for the long distance commute. I mean, those rich people already have too many ways to travel. They probably take their helicopter or they're, they're going to want to take a drone. Let them drone it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. This is mobility. The, concern, the concern is you don't want to be antagonizing people tying up traffic. You want you want them to fit in and kind of go with the flow. Absolutely, they've got to because if they don't, then guess what? People are—I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I don't know what road rage is going to come out of it. And in fact, uh, you know, these things are for communities, uh, maybe arterials, uh, maybe not. Uh, you know, this is <laughs> coming out of this crisis. Uh, the smart city may evolve into the smart community. And in fact, you know, everybody packed in into, you know, some little tight corner someplace and so on and so forth. And, and all that congestion may, may turn out to be spread on. And in fact, you don't have, if, if there are enough services around, you don't have to go that far. So um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, we've got some news from Tesla to talk about once again. Uh, the yeah. The company's sales in China hit a record high during the pandemic, totaling 10,160 vehicles in March. This is China, China. And that happened while passenger car sales overall in China had slumped 40%. Yeah, they got, you know, I guess, what, 25% of the market or something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, what is this? Are they, uh, Chinese thinking Tesla is like the, like the iPhone, you know, they got to have one. Uh, great, wonderful. Um, 
congratulations. I mean, it'd be nice if if uh, if GM and Ford and and Chrysler were also able to sell cars over there. But you know, if it takes Elon, it, it takes Elon. <laughs> well, Tesla released a, a video, meanwhile, showing the inside of its Gigafactory in Shanghai. Uh, really quite a video showing the enormity of the place. Uh, tremendous. And all of those robots, uh, the arms, some humans here and there too, I suppose. Yeah, well, of course there are humans in there, but the, but the number of robots and then the, the whole process, it, it, you know, I don't know, in the 50s, how long did it take to design a car and then reorient the the uh, the manufacturing process to build that car. I think I think the the the, the car manufacturers used to shut down for a couple of weeks or something during the summer just to retool for the next year. I mean, if you have robots doing this stuff, you should be able to retool in the next you know five minutes. On well, maybe not that fast, but you know, reprogram those suckers to to do uh, you know uh, all sorts of other things, or modify, or put fins on there, or chrome, or I don't know, go to the next year's model, or I mean, uh, almost turn on a dime, which is hey, which is one of the opportunities of of, of the automation. But to look at it and and to, to look at the, at the, at the productivity, the, the the number of cars produced per per person hour in that facility, as compared to some of these other facilities, I don't I don't know what that looks like, but um, it must be it must be a very small number compared to to a classic. Uh, uh, car manufacturing place, and um, and to do that in China, where apparently you know labor is uh, is um, I don't know I don't want to say free, but uh, um, uh, Let's more 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 affordable or something like that. Uh, geez, you know, can you imagine what the Fremont plant's going to end up looking like if the if the Shanghai plant looks like that? I mean, uh, Fremont they'll, they'll have nobody in it. I don't know, I, it, but it is it is it is um, it is worth watching. Okay, it, it is a video they, produced they built it so fast too, Alan. They built that I think in a year or less. I mean, were they good? I mean, doesn't it take time to order robots and and put them in there? Who had the supply? Were they all sitting in some warehouse, someplace? Bumped you? I mean, think of the logistics system that you have to put together to have all those things come in, as well as all the parts. I mean, you know. Talk about flexible manufacturing and and uh, and flexibility and opportunity. I mean, I think it's very impressive. It's yeah. Sure. But here in here in the U.S., though, we should point out uh, with the coronavirus, Tesla has announced that salaried workers would take pay cuts of ten percent or more through the end of June. Most hourly workers are being furloughed, though, and and vice presidents and directors are taking even bigger pay cuts. And you had something to say about that in the newsletter. Yeah, I think I think it's also should be pointed out that the furloughed workers uh, with the uh, with the unemployment compensation that exists are really uh, almost uh, being paid as much uh, to not work as they did to work, and which I think is good of of the uh, unemployment uh, support that exists at least for some, uh, and and um, and those are I guess folks that really can't work remotely, and if they're not producing, then okay, that I guess that's okay to put that on the on the public uh, 
spectrum to 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 uh, support them. I I I thought what was good about what they announced was that you know vice presidents were were being asked or asked told I don't know thirty uh, percent managers twenty percent reductions and others you know ten percent reductions. I think it's it. I think it, it certainly seems like very good public relations on their part to put out their um, uh, situations that um, at least percentage-wise and, of course, in, to in net dollars, um, that the top is, uh, is, is taking um, a bigger hit than the bottom. I, it's got to be reasonable public relations anyway. Um, we know that w when things are good, the top gets the most. Um, it's it's sort of nice to see that at least uh, they're doing it that way. But again, this is a comment from afar, you know, in a in the bubble of Princeton. I mean, you know, so I don't know how folks want to take my comment on that. Talking about the virus, our friend uh, Mitch Erickson has uh, has a piece in, in Medium that you're bringing out in, in the newsletter as well. Right? Yeah, our friend Mitch Erickson uh, wrote a, a relatively long. Uh, uh, discussion about what he sees might be some future impacts of, of uh, uh, the virus. I think uh, in reading it, it seems like he throws everything in there, including the kitchen sink. Uh, but um, uh, yes, uh, there are going to be a lot of impacts. Um, I, I'm trying to think of these things as to sort of, I, I'm a Taylor series guy, you know, Taylor series expansions, you know, there's a big term and then smaller term and then smaller, smaller, smaller terms. And I always want to figure on, you know, focus on the big stuff. And uh, yes, it, the details are important, but uh, it'd be nice to have a hierarchical element of this thing. And it's sort of a little bit tough to see uh, in, you know my perspective on this, which isn't a very big, pers a very uh, insightly uh, or very um, uh, knowledgeable perspective. Simply because one, I, uh, as I explained, uh, my wife and I, we do, we don't watch uh, uh, the news. Certainly not CNN nor Fox News. I mean, you know, it's just too much. That's noise. why you got a There's smile on your face. <laughs> well, you know, I just can't take it. I mean, you know, you you're bounced from one wall to the other. I mean, you know, it just doesn't. And and sitting here, um, you know, we're 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 extremely fortunate. We're extremely. Um, uh, fortunate uh, to be here where we are in this uh, Princeton bubble, uh, you know, whatever that, uh, that have really no idea as to, as to really what people are going through. And, um, and so, and, and what the, you know, what the potential implications were. To me, the biggest uh, disappointment of, of what's going on now is, is the data problem is a data issue. One would have thought that by now uh, we should have, we should be in, have systems for which uh, data uh, associated with things like this is, is, is available and is, um, has little noise and certainly little bias. And, and it seems to me that the data has nothing but noise and nothing but bias and bias and, and who knows what ways because people are pushing one thing or another or something. It's just, it's just really disappointing. And, and you try it's to a go- a whole other subject, but you don't have data without 
testing and testing widespread the whole population. Right, and and, and you know it gets down to testing, and then you know testing or testing. You know what are what are the false positive, false negative acid distributions of these things? Uh, maybe that's a detail. I don't think it's a detail. Uh, maybe some people say, "Well, geez, you know." Uh, who understands that stuff, who cares? I mean, some people do put it out there, make it available, trying to find this, and trying to go to CDC and pull data on this. And, and you know, um, for example, just death certificates, you know, they're supposed to be filled out, typed in, coded. Why isn't yesterday's death certificates take out all the, you know, privacy data associated with that? Why aren't they available just there? I mean, aren't Spirit they being stuff, collected? Uh, uh, Do they have to be no. somehow sanitized? I mean, what the heck's going on here? I mean, you know, you, you would think that, 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 that those, but that's just a pet peeve of mine of this whole thing. What to me uh, seems- you know, a few days ago, they were calling for more doctors to come to New York. Now they're calling for more funeral directors. Uh, uh, yeah, and you, you don't know. And, and you know, the, the, again, this, this, that makes good headlines. And, and 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 so on but but you know what's what's underlying all of this and 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 and, and, and I don't know I mean um, it, it's it's really um, um, what what at least in in the in the very um, gilded um, uh, location where I live and what what I've experienced what seems to be working is is the logistic system looks like it's putting at least some things on store shelves in grocery stores and 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 pharmacies uh, and so I, I that's at least something because if, if those those things weren't working then we would be we would be in a heap of trouble and they have to continue to work sure we don't have toilet paper big deal okay uh but it seems like um, there is milk eggs and butter Okay, so fundamentally, uh, you know, those are the good things. And then if we look at, at, at sort of the, the things, the impacts of things, certainly in the things we're talking about, you know, ride sharing and needs, um, we need to make that happen somehow. And, and we, need, we, need to, uh, we need to deal with, with, with uh, stopping uh, becoming close socially while maintaining some sort of physical distance, I guess. Um, and, but the important thing is, is to, is to deal with the socially thing, uh, aspect of, of this, uh, so that, we, you know, we can live, uh, relatively half decent lives. And then, you know, going into it, I think uh, we, we're about to offer our senior, our, uh, rising seniors and, you know, senior thesis topics for next fall. You know, the data issue is certainly one of which I have a lot of students wanting to deal with this and 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 you know the the fact that uh, that zoom has worked yeah so well or all of this has worked so well at least from where i sit but you know where a lot of other people sit probably not working all that well and we need to understand that to, to get that to work better and then uh, and then with respect to to implications i think we need to look at uh, at really what changed post 9/11 and what's still existing and look at the big things with that and seeing and mirroring that to this 
and what we can learn from, from that coming out of that. And we probably should also look back very carefully at uh, 1919 and 1920. You know, there were the roaring 20s, which came after the 1918, you know, Spanish flu pandemic, which seems like, at least as, as far as we are in this one, it seems like that one was worse than this one. I, I'm not, others can weigh in on whether or not that's a true statement or not. Uh, but there's probably a lot that we can learn and a lot that we can help us anticipate uh, what our challenges might be by uh, really seeing if there's any data, any real information uh, that has survived 100 years for us to look at, to learn from uh, that that particular pandemic. And I'm sure there are people that are, that are working on that. And sure. I probably missed, uh, you know, their, their publications because, you know, what the hell, I mean, <laughs> I'm just sitting here at home enjoying myself. Well, there are some other headlines that talk about relative to this. Zooks has had to lay off almost all of its contract workers including the backup safety drivers that it was using. No surprise there. I mean, they're just one of every company. <laughs> well, no surprise. I mean, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for them, okay? The, an opportunity for, hey, the coders, the ones that are the writing the code, they get a chance to, they get a chance to go to the, to the next version. And, and make that even better without having to deal with the day-to-day -day of putting it in vehicles and then going out there and doing testing. They all have simulation models. They can run through all that in some sense, you know, probably they might've even been planning a pause in the, in the, in, in, in the physically putting out of vehicles out there. And, you know, uh, that's, uh, that piece of it is, is, is sort of, uh, it's, it's almost, I would think it's almost a welcome to them. It's, it might've been part of their plans. I, I, I'm, I think I'm probably overstating it at that point, but. Uh. Well, Urban Mobility Daily uh, in the meantime has published the COVID-19 Shared Mobility Action Plan. You talk about that a bit in your newsletter. Yeah, and and that's it's it's nice for them to to put that out there. And again, that's a, that's an opportunity to to go out there and uh, really uh, uh, there there are going to be changes. Okay, I look at you know I I, I sort of throw out there to students uh, the sort of the fundamental one. If you're if you're a company in Manhattan. Uh, that's been renting, I don't know, 200 square foot per person on some office building, you know, for 3,000 people or something like that, uh, you know, 60,000 square feet, uh, paying whatever and having each one of those people spend, I don't know, three hours on New Jersey Transit, uh, Metro North, uh, Long Island Railroad, whatever, commuting to there, are you going to do that next year? I don't know. I don't know. You have to look at your balance sheet and say, look at the productivity you got out of the person when they were working remotely or at home or in some, you know, uh, out there in the suburbs and, and interfacing with this uh, and, and what they produce versus what it costs to, to produce that uh, compared to what they produce and what it costs to produce that um, under the old model. And I don't know what those, those algorithms are going to show, but I think for some, it's going to say, my goodness, um, uh, 
we're not we're gonna we're just gonna let our lease expire well, office space is expensive that's for sure. Office space has been expensive, and it may not be in the future because uh, because it's just not the the cost of the office space. That's one thing. It's the three hours, right? In whatever, you know, we may not need a a new tunnel to New York because maybe not as many people from Jersey are going to go. I don't know. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get the hate mail now. <laughs> Russ Mitchell at the LA times, our friend has a report out with the headline car dealers are desperate. Does that make it a good time to buy a vehicle online? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I went looking at a Subaru because I was going to buy a Subaru and never pulled the trigger and so now hey can I get what I was gonna buy two months ago um, how much money did I uh, it might be the only money that I made <laughs> I certainly lost a lot in the past two months uh, but um, um, uh, yeah I mean uh, can you imagine I mean these the cars would um, just just the they just haven't been used so therefore, they're not going to. They still depreciate because of time, but but the depreciation because of of use and maintenance. I mean, uh, uh, poor body shops and and um, and repair shops. Let alone, uh, you know, if you're pumping oil. I mean, what are they doing with all the oil that's being pumped? Do they have enough storage for that? Are they? <laughs> what happened to our oil reserve? Is it that sucker must be full or something? <laughs> You're enjoying the price of gas, but as, as a lot of people point out, there's no place to go. So <laughs> there's no place to go, and so nobody's buying it. And so people are, you know, making their they're eating snacks at home or something like that. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> okay, or they're buying puzzles. It turns out. Guess what? I, I, you know, I just finished another one last night. I, um, <laughs> From the half-baked section of the newsletter comes a report that VW has released video of the heads-up display in the ID3 electric vehicle, and you're shaking your head. I can see. That. I, I'm not a fan. I'm just. I mean, you know, the the reason the instrument cluster is down here is because you don't want it in your face. You really don't. Okay, when you're driving, you should be out looking at the the nice environment that exists out there, and certainly looking at what, what exists in front of you. You know, to have your speed and your where to turn and all that stuff, you know, in your vision. You know, you know. Let me glance down when I want to have it. Okay, I, I I've never been a fan. Okay, and and um, but you know there are a lot of things that I wasn't a fan of that all of a sudden I'm a fan of. I was ne I was never a fan of of, uh, of FaceTime on phones and and thinking that doing this kind of thing was totally silly. But um, I always preferred the the physical and and social interaction. But I, we still get the social, not the physical. So. Um, I changed, but anyway, I threw it in a half baked. It, I don't know. It just, it just, whatever. Well, our listeners and viewers should already know that the fourth annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit had been planned for May, isn't going to be taking place as planned. Looks like October, 
Alan, and you've been working. It looks like October. We're in between. Uh, we're going to do stuff in between. We've begun doing this with respect to the Zoom and, and putting some videos out there. We're also thinking of, of doing some other things in terms of of uh, more involvement and a little bit more of a debate type structure. Uh, if anybody has any suggestions, love to hear. Uh, we might end up uh, doing, you know, some sort of remote um, uh, Zoom type thing with respect to the summit in May. I, I, we don't know. We're, we're just still thinking about it, uh, seeing what, what is really useful um, uh, and, um, and seeing what uh, people can not only, um, I guess, uh, get a, uh, think about these things, uh, also do it in, in an environment in which is uh, relaxing and enjoying and, uh, and, um, and help contribute and help us get out of all what we're in and move on. Absolutely. Uh, that wraps up this edition. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETF, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, the ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. We want to thank Joe Moy from Beep uh, for taking the time to join us today. Really some great information. Absolutely. It was great having him, and it's really great to see um, you know, the driverless piece really uh, move, continue to move forward. Absolutely. And you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you tune for your podcasts. You can ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Stay safe and healthy. And thanks for listening. And have a great Easter. And um, uh, we had a great Passover. Make great matzo balls. <laughs>